Hi again, and welcome back to Just Like Other Girls. As always, it's me, Shannon Fiedler. I'm your host. And today, today we're talking about me a little bit and, and getting to know me through something that I bet that, that I don't talk about as much. So something you probably don't know about me, you know that I'm a comedian, that I live in New York, all of that. But what you probably don't know is that I spent the majority of my childhood into my adolescence um, on the ice. I was a competitive figure skater, not just recreationally. It's not like I went once a week and, and played around. I was pretty intense about it. I, um, I was competitive, elite, in training, whatever you want to call it, but working really hard at this art, this sport, this athletic venture for a lot of years, a lot of years. And I think, you know, it, it's something that once was such a huge part of who I was and now is such a small part of what I do day to day, but I think in many ways is probably the most defining period of my life into who I became and why I became that. So wanted to share a little bit about it, what the experience was like for me, um, what figure skating is. I feel like it's a pretty opaque world if you are not in it, right? Every four years we watch it on the Olympics, we all talk about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, but we don't know that much about figure skating. So excited to share a little bit about it. So I started skating when I was three years old but not like skating, skating. So my grandfather was actually um, almost an Olympic level speed skater. And my dad played hockey his whole life. This is what happens when you grow up in Connecticut. They just give you a pair of ice skates when you come out of the womb. But my dad played hockey his whole life. So when I was a kid, something that we used to do on the weekends as a family was go to the ice rink. And we go to a public skate. So a public skate is when well, it's exactly what it sounds like. I'm about to shansplain, as Pat would call it. But a public skate is when anyone, the general public, can get on the ice. So it's what you would go to, say you got invited to someone's birthday party. And as a little kid, right? We've all done that. Well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe that's a very New England thing. But you go to a birthday party, you go ice skating. Or Christmas time, you go to the outdoor rink and you just kind of skate around in circles and look a little bit like a giraffe just being born and we used to go and the three of us would skate and I was a little kid. So by skate, I mean, my dad would bend over and hold me and I would say I'm completely still and he would go around in circles, just pushing me so that I felt like I was skating. I was gliding, but I thought I was skating and immediately I fell in love with it. And there's something really magical, at least for me about being on ice. You sort of feel, I don't want to overstate it and say you feel like you're flying, but that experience of gliding and being able to move so smoothly and it's kind of cold in the air, it's really powerful. And I, I just started loving it. And so from a young age, I started taking skating lessons and actually learning how to skate by myself without my dad toting me around. I think the what's unique about figure skating, a lot of things are unique about figure skating. It's a bizarre world, honestly. But one of the things that's so unique about the sport itself is that it is really a 50-50 mix of athletics and performance. It's, it's an interesting sport where you're being judged on your physical ability as well as your 
emotional ability, your your opportunity or ability to interpret the music and to have musicality as we would call it and to be graceful but also powerful and sort of all these things at once so you have to look like this elegant dancer as you're swaying down the ice but you also have to jump two feet in the air rotate three times and land on a half an inch thick piece of metal and make it look like it was easy so i think you know, I loved sports and I loved the athleticness of it and I loved the training, but I always liked the performance element the most. I loved putting on a show. I loved getting to tell a story through a figure skating program. Um, but we'll get more into that. Just so I started getting pretty good when I was in middle school um, and I went to a skating summer camp, which is what you do. And I mean, I don't think that's unique to figure skating, right? I think every every kid who plays a sport in elementary or middle school will go to soccer camp or, you know, lacrosse camp or whatever that might be. Um, I went to skating camp and what that meant was not just, you know, going to your local rink and, and skating a lot. What it actually meant was going to a different rink, a more elite rank where you could skate with higher level coaches and get some superior training. And long story short, I had a great summer. I had a great experience at this camp. I really liked working with the coaches. I felt like there was potential. And we, my family actually moved to a different part of the state. And I know Connecticut's a small state, but it was still a big deal. We moved an hour and a half away so that I could start training with these coaches. And that's definitely only child privilege. Like, I'm aware of that. I know that if I had had siblings, that wouldn't have been something I could do. But my parents have always been really supportive of, of what I want and what looks like a, a good opportunity for me. And I was the one who wanted to do it. I was the one who was like, let's, let's go. I'm all in. And my parents supported it. And so we moved to a different area of the state to be at this new rank. And for four years, honestly, all I did was train. I skated. I woke up in the morning and I skated every single day. And, and in all actuality, that really was my life. So Monday through Friday, and this is what it takes to figure skate at any real competitive level, right? So that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about the sport is it's kind of all or nothing. You can when you're young, obviously, and little, and you're learning to skate, and you're in, they call it learn to skate classes, and you're doing basic skills and some of that, you can do it in the same way that you would take piano lessons, right? But you can't do it like you would play, I just keep going back to soccer or Pop Warner football, not that there aren't people who are also training to become college athletes, professional athletes in those sports, but there's more avenues, right? There's JV teams at your high school. You can play a little less competitively. You could do it as part of your school. Skating was sort of, you either come here once a week and just skate around and play around and you don't really compete or you're all in, you're, you're training. So what that meant for me was Monday through Friday, I woke up in the morning and I went to the rink and I skated for an hour before school. And then I skated for two hours after school. And then I skated for two hours on Saturdays and two to three days a week, I would have an hour of office training, which is exactly what it sounds like, but it's, you know, working out off of the ice, whether that's a stretch class, a dance class, a strength training class, 
uh, physical endurance kind of class. And everything I did was in service of becoming a better skater. I mean, I was 13 years old and I was going to bed at 8.30 p.m. I, I actually remember my mom telling me at one point, she was like, you have to stay up and talk to your friends. Like, this is becoming crazy. But I was just so committed to skating. And I knew that the next day I would have to wake up at five in the morning and go to the ring for practice. And I would go to school late. I worked my schedule that I wouldn't have first or last period so that I could go to school late and leave a little bit early to get ice time when the rink was less crowded. Because it's really hard to do your whole program or just practice when there's, you know, 50 people on the ice. As you probably know, if you've ever been to a public session, a crowded ice rink is a dangerous place. I had a lot of lessons, so I had like a whole coaching staff. So that's another thing about skating. There's often specialized coaches. So it's not just, you know, oh, this is my skating coach. I had my main coach who was sort of my day-to-day. She was with, I had a lesson with her once, if not twice, every single day. Then I had a technical coach who really worked with me on jumps and, and harder skills. Then I had a choreographer who would choreograph all of my routines and make sure that my lines were beautiful all the way down to my fingers and my pointed toes. Um, And then sometimes there would be other coaches that would come in just for whatever reason. They were visiting from out of town for the summer. So you would take some classes from them. So, I mean, there were times when I had five different coaches on my staff, frankly, um, all working to get me to be the best skater that I could be. And then On the weekends, I would go to competitions. And because skating isn't the most popular sport, and it's not, again, there's not multiple skaters per town, that meant we traveled all over New England. So being in Connecticut, I would sometimes go to competitions in Maine or competitions in New Hampshire. And I mean, that was, again, like leaving school, not going to school on a Friday, going up Friday night, staying over. I mean, God bless my parents, honestly. Like, this sounds exhausting to me, and I don't know how they did it, but we were really into it. And and again, I was, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I have always been and will always be a huge nerd perfectionist. So even though I was so involved in this skating and, and missing a lot of school for it, I was so resolute with being the best student I could be. I was very Rory Gilmore-like in that way. So I would be driving to competitions or to the rink, not old enough to have a driver's license. So in the back seat, studying for my history exam on my way to these competitions. That was what it was, you know, and and these competitions, here's the other thing about skating that I think is, is interesting and something that people probably know just from having watched it once every four years, the world becomes very invested in figure skating. And it's a very exciting time for me because I feel like this passion of mine can finally shine and I can share my knowledge with the world. Um, So we're all probably acutely aware of what goes into figure skating, but I think something people don't think about is that figure skating is a sport that requires perfection you have to be perfect, which is hard, which is a lot of pressure, and which can let you down really easily because it's so easy to not be perfect. Just one time not being perfect is enough to ruin it for you. And I know that in every sport, you wanna play to the best of your ability, right? 
but there's room for error. Think another sport that I relate skating to a lot is tennis. You know, it's a solo sport. It's, you know, one match to rule them all kind of thing. But you can lose a point and still win the match. You could lose a game. You could lose a set and still win the match. In figure skating, if you make one mistake in your program, you're done. So let me explain to you how the program works. Figure skating is similar to a gymnastics where you get on the ice, you do your, pro we call them program, but people probably more colloquial would refer to them as a routine. You do your program and that's it. That's all you get. You get one shot. Um, when you get to a high enough competitive level, you have two programs. One is called a short program. The other is called a long program. The short program is more technical. There are certain elements that you have to do. There's truly zero room for error in a short program. It's obviously shorter, no duh. <laughs> um, and it has just a little bit of a different flavor. That one comes first. And then the next day, two days later, you would compete in your long program. Long program is more about artistry. Uh, it's more freestyle. You can kind of do elements that other skaters might not be doing. The other thing that's kind of crazy about a competition is you probably would recognize this from the Olympics, but you go out in groups of six for your warm up. So you get on the ice, you have usually five minutes to warm up. So you run through every jump, spin, sequence, whatever it is in your program. And then you can't get back on the ice until your slot, like until it's your time to go compete. So if you are the sixth girl in that warm-up group, you now, and it's a long program, which for senior women who are the ones that you're seeing in the Olympics, that means they get off the ice and they have at least 20 minutes, and that's not including any kind of changeover between skaters. So probably closer to a half an hour of, of trying to keep their body warm and trying to keep the feeling of what they just did in their body before they even get to take the ice and start. And that's a lot of time to let your nerves get to you. So that's how it works from a very logistical standpoint. How it works from a judging standpoint is it changed in my tenure. Um, we used to be on the, back in my day, it started on the 6.0 system. Now it's, again, if you watch the Olympics, you'll see they have much higher numbers than a 6.0 and it's an aggregate score where they add it together. But you get judged on two separate tracks. One is technical. And so this is what most people would say are the tricks. Um, we don't call them tricks in the actual figure skating world. We call them jumps, spins, step sequences, or elements. And so that score is determined by how difficult were the moves that you did, how well did you do them. And then there's an artistry score that, again, is all about that performance side of figure skating. It's all about did you embody your music? Were your lines perfect? Were you as flexible as a Gumby toy that it looked like you were literally overextended into a split? Those two things come together to create your score. The problem is if you fall on one jump or you miss a step in your step sequence, and that's when the figure skaters do kind of like they go from one end of the ice to the other doing really fancy footwork, that's a step sequence. And that is an element that you're required to do in a program. 
you make one mistake, you're done. And in skating, we call it, it's called skating clean. And that means you went out, you landed every jump, you hit every spin, you did it all perfectly. And that's really the only way to place. If you fall, your score is going to be so detrimentally low that you're not going to be able to medal unless every other person in the competition falls. So it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And it's also always single round elimination. So I remember my friends who were playing other sports, whatever that might be, their whole season record would determine whether or not they go to the playoffs, right? So skating doesn't work that way. You could win every single competition you do for an entire season, and then you go to regionals, which is the important one because it goes regionals, sectionals, nationals, worlds, and that's when people see you. If you fall in your regionals, even if you won every other competition you did that year, done. Doesn't matter. You don't get to go. You don't get to go into what is effectively the playoffs. So that is a lot of pressure. The fact that one mistake can ruin everything that you've been working toward your whole life. And so I think, I don't know, I, th I think that was something that really affected me and shaped me as a person and ultimately probably what became my personal downfall in figure skating because as much as it's a a sport and it's a physical game it's even more so a mental game and you have to be confident and not nervous and not get in your own head and <laughs> as a person who thinks from their emotions all the time it's very hard for me not to get in my own head so that that became really hard but I think in a lot of ways, I do think figure skating really shaped me and really made me into the person I am. And, and in many ways is why I'm a comedian. And I know that that link said separately, like, oh, I was a figure skater. So now I'm a comedian. That sounds like I said, oh, I ate tacos. So now I'm going to Mars. Like there isn't really a connective tissue there. But let me explain, because I do think it was something that that made me into the person I am. I know I've said that. But one thing is at a very young age, I had to learn self-discipline. And I think that's true of any athlete, anyone who played a sport growing up. You have to learn a certain element of, of motivation, hard work, self-discipline, right? I had to wake up every morning and get on that ice. And I think when you hear about kids who do anything at an elite level, your immediate instinct is to question the parenting. Because it feels, it feels like parents are putting their kids into situations they don't want to be in, right? We've all seen Dance Moms. We've all seen a movie about a kid who didn't want to be something and their parents forced them to do that. And so I think that when you hear, especially in a world that feels so foreign and other like figure skating, you immediately think like, oh, skate moms. And, and don't get me wrong. I came across plenty of them. I, I literally got screamed at in an ice rink by, I was 13, by like a 45-year-old woman accusing me of stealing her daughter's skates, which if you know me, I can't break a rule to save my life. I've never stolen anything. That was insane. But there were some, some crazy parents in this world. There had to be. Of course there were. My parents weren't one of them, which I'm grateful for. Um, but that meant that all of this drive, all of this... I'm going to the rink every day. I'm going to be the best in the world. I'm pushing myself was coming from me. 
I, I even remember waking up in the morning and going into my parents' room, again, not old enough to drive myself. The sun hasn't even risen, risen yet. And I'm like, wake up, mom and dad, you have to take me to the rink. And they were like, do we really? Like, we're tired. Can we have one day off? But I said, no, I, I remember being scared to go on vacation because I thought if I take a week off from skating, what's going to happen? And I'm sure there's a lot for me to unpack here and I should probably do a, a deeper self dive on it. But it really taught me like, hey, if you want to do something, you have to put in the work and you have to try hard and no one's going to push you but yourself. And I think that's another big part of figure skating and why it made me a comedian. Both skating and comedy are solo sports. So like beyond like rec league soccer, I was never, I was never on a team sport. And I'm sure that says a lot about me. And again, I'm sure you're like, it's all making sense now, but in skating, you are the only person on the ice. And I mean, I was a figure skater. I was an only child. Now I'm a stand-up comic. Like there is a very common thread here in that I sort of gravitate to or have these experiences of things that I do on my own. And sometimes that can be really lonely. And sometimes it can be, you can feel trapped in your own head, right? Because you're going through these experiences by yourself. But I also think doing something like that helps you figure out more about yourself because there is no one to turn to. And I would encourage everyone to find something in their life that they can do where it is a solo activity, whether that's going on a difficult solo hike or going on a solo trip or hell, even eating dinner alone, which is not something that I think I'm brave enough to do, honestly, even after I've said all of this. But I think it's, it feels really good after to know I did this by myself. And none of it is truly in a vacuum of by yourself, right? I just told you I had a staff of five coaches getting me to the level I was at and parents who drove me to practice. Yes, I go on stage alone as a comic, but that doesn't account for all of the people that are listening to me workshop these jokes and, and are helping me get through places. It's obviously there's an element of team, but when it comes down to it, the spotlight, the pressure, what happens is on me. And so it's funny because people always ask me, do you get scared to do stand up? Do you get stage fright? And my answer is always no. And don't get me wrong, like there's always right before you get on stage, there's a moment right, of butterflies. Um, they tell you, I don't know, I've heard that if you don't get that, it means you don't care. Who knows if that's true? But I think I've never been that nervous to get on stage as a comedian because it's nowhere near as scary as getting on the ice as a, competi as a competitor for a couple reasons. One, stand-up's not a competition, right? So you go on stage, you bomb. It sucks, but everybody does it. It's part of the process. And it literally has nothing changes. You go on the ice, you bomb, you lose. And losing sucks. Losing feels bad. And it's hard to come back from that. But even more so than that, if you mess up skating, the consequences are a lot worse, right? Like sometimes I mess up in stand-up and I don't even think the audience even knows, right? I say a line, I'm not supposed to say it, or I miss a joke. They don't even notice. If you mess up in skating, you are falling on your face, which is obvious. It's embarrassing. It's painful. So every time I get on stage, I'm like, well, it could be worse. I could be falling on my face. But anyway, that, that was all of the skating and how I felt about it. And eventually it got to a point where for me, it was 
again, I, I said this earlier, skating is an all or nothing kind of thing. And it got to a point where I was either all in or I was quitting and all in meant going even more all in. It meant becoming homeschooled. It meant, you know, no parties, no boyfriends. I, my coaches literally said that to me at one point and boy, crazy 15 year old Shannon did not like that. <laughs> um, it also meant, you know, I was always acting or dancing or doing something else a little bit on the side. And it meant none of that. It probably meant moving away from my parents because I'd have to move again to an even more elite rank. And at that point, my parents probably couldn't have moved to a totally different part of the country. And it, it kind of came down to, are, are you going to be a skater? Or are you going to be something else? And I remember my mom very wisely was like, Shannon, if you put all your eggs in this basket of figure skating and forsake all of that, you know, you don't go to school anymore. You can't do any of that. You so much as roll your ankle, you're done. And figure skating has so few spots. Like I said, every four years, three girls become famous or successful figure skaters. Not that fame is the end goal, but to succeed in the sport is to become an Olympian. And that happens every four years for three people. So that was a lot, a lot of pressure to put on to, to such a slim chance. Even no matter how talented you are, it's always a slim chance at something like that. And so I made the very difficult choice to quit skating. And I remember it happened at a competition where it was just sort of like, we got to make this choice. And, and it became pretty obvious that I was going to quit. And we were driving home from Pennsylvania, which is a pretty far drive back to Connecticut. And I just, I wept the entire ride, just like full body heaving, sobbing in the backseat of the car, truly heartbroken. It was one of the hardest goodbyes I've ever had to say. I, I've always said it's the hardest breakup I've ever had in my life was quitting skating. It took me years to get back on the ice because it just hurt too much. It was this reminder of all this time and effort that at the time I felt like I had failed. And I think with the benefit of, of hindsight, I'm able to say, okay, I, I didn't fail. Maybe I didn't live up to the goal I set for myself. I didn't go to the Olympics. But I felt like I let myself down. I felt like I let other people down and I missed it. I missed it so much. I missed the way it felt. And it took me a long time to get back to a place where I could go skate and just have it be something I loved without being clouded by all these intense emotions. And it was also, it was this really weird identity moment for me. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced something similar where you did something like this and then and then left it but i felt like suddenly i didn't know who i was and i don't know if people who who played sports in college felt this way when they quit playing sports um or or maybe it wasn't maybe you did theater your whole life and then you graduated college and you didn't want to go on to be an actress and and suddenly you quit doing this thing that you've always done and up until that point in my life i felt like i had defined myself. I was like, I'm Shannon Fiedler, the figure skater. That was who I was first and foremost, before anything else, before being the student, before being the performer, before being anything else, I was a figure skater. And that's how I felt people knew me, right? Because figure skating, it's, it's unique. Not a lot of people do it. So to me, it felt like such a part of my identity and who I was. And then suddenly I wasn't that. And I, I was trying to find like, what's my thing? What am I? And it, it was a hard moment for me. So it was like this weird 
acknowledgement of I've always identified myself by these outside circumstances and what I do. And in the chat, Dimanza one says every athlete had that identity crisis. And I believe it. I actually, you know, I've talked to my friends who played sports in high school or college, and I remember them saying the same thing. It was, you know, I practiced every day and then suddenly, what was I going to do with my free time? And I remember Sasha Cohen, who is my personal favorite skater of all time. I think she's amazing. Um, was an Olympian. And she wrote this really powerful article about Olympians. Once you're done, what do you do? Like you go from being revered by the world to being forgotten. Yeah. So that was a really, really tough moment for me. But I think now it's funny because I've realized how skating has informed all these things. So I do feel in some ways I am still a figure skater. I think it's what led me to performance. And the last thing I'll say on figure skating is, you know, I, it took me a while to get back on the ice after I quit, like I said. But now when I get on the ice, it feels like a homecoming. And it just, it's this almost... I don't want to overstate it, but it is, it feels magical or transcendent to just get on the ice and my body knows what to do. And it's like, oh, this is what your body was meant to do. It's always the most fun I've had in weeks. You know, it's not easy for me in New York City to get to a rink very often. So when I do, it's just such a treat. And again, I, I know this isn't an advice podcast, but I'd be remiss to not say here, if you used to do something, if you used to take dance, if you used to play soccer, if you used to sing, find a way to do that in your adult life and your body will just thank you. It's just this feeling of like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I learned to do. This is what I'm good at. And it's so freeing and so powerful. So that would be my advice. Thanks for tuning in. This was Just Like Other Girls. I'm Shannon Fiedler.